Welcome to Foot Guns, home to the only hype-free investment-based crypto podcast. Satoshi Nakamoto said it was going to happen. You know, I want half a million dollars of exposure to it. Ethereum. And, you know, everybody that's trading this was doing what I was doing today. A 51% attack where the chain split into three different chains. All of a sudden, I have Ethereum in my MetaMask account. And so anything from a regulatory standpoint is stifled DeFi is bad. Foot Guns podcast, and my name is Wasabi Boat Research, and you're hearing my voice. That can only mean one thing. Boomer is on day three of a seven-day dopamine fast, so he is AFK, as they say, and asked me to fill in. So I'm really excited today. We're going to be talking with three people. team members from Olympus DAO, which is one of these projects in crypto that I can only describe it as being mind-blowing and takes a long time to unpack, I think. And it has been sort of a journey for me. I've listened to about four or five hours of uh, different audio about Olympus DAO and uh, still kind of like trying to understand a few things and have been had several kind of long conversations with Hal about it. Um, so I'm super Happy to have this opportunity to um, to be sitting down with you guys. So so today we have three team members. We have Glue, Brian, and Jeff X. So welcome and thanks for chatting with us today, guys. Good morning. Good morning. It's great. Morning. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Um, so let's. Um, do you guys want to give a quick intro uh, to yourselves and what your roles are at Olympus? I guess let's go. Glue, Brian, and then Jeff. Yeah, awesome. Um, hey, it's Glue. I am a Stratego over in the Olympus DAO, and I head up the partnerships department with uh, my fellow Stratego techs. So we're responsible for business development, strategic alliances, uh, and all the like. Yeah, so I'm just a regular community member like everyone else, but I focus more on the educational content of the community, you know, just try to educate the homies of how the protocol works and, you know, just really trying to elevate everyone's uh, understanding of protocol. And we also work on uh, the policy side where we make decisions about OM and uh, how it affects it. Uh, I'm Jeff or Jeff X. Um, I do a lot of smart contract work over at Olympus, uh, one of the core members. So. Cool. Well, welcome. And um, I guess so like Hal and I were trying to scope out how we would we would do this conversation. And we're kind of debating, do we go for like the audience members who are like a little bit more DeFi, you know, have have been around DeFi a little bit? Or do we go for someone who's like completely, you know, not crypto native? Um, So we're going to try to like balance that out back and forth. So if there if we get into concepts like you know, LPing and stuff like that. I'm just going to throw it to Hal or one of you to like give a quick um, like TLDR of that to, to introduce it to someone who might not be aware of that. So um, I want to start with like, I don't know, this is the, the question that that I was trying to come up with with like a quick like intro to Olympus DAO, which I think is, is quite hard to do. So let's say, um, Brian, you're going home and you're, you're, you know, talking with your uncle who has no, no idea about crypto. And he says, you know, so tell me about this. Uh, crypto stuff you're doing how what's the kind of like five sentence pitch for olympus that you would give him or how would you like how would you explain this to someone who maybe knows what like bitcoin and ethereum are but but that's it 
Yeah, so I would really explain that Olympus is trying to make a new currency, first and foremost, a new currency for DeFi. And I'll try to explain to him the issues we have in DeFi right now. And that, uh, you know, it's really, the whole ecosystem of DeFi is really constrained by the monetary U.S. dollar. You know, we really transact in the U.S. dollar because it's the one of the best, you know, the, the currencies the world has to offer today, you know, the, the, glo the global reserve currency. But, you know, decentralized finance isn't really decentralized if we're really dependent on this U.S. dollar, you know. It's controlled by the U.S. government, you know, uh, deals are done in a bag and not an open really goes against what DeFi tries to achieve. So we really need our own currency uh, that kind of, that is open to everybody, that is uh, for the people and isn't controlled by this uh, government that isn't for the people, you know? So, and we need this to have a value that's not tied to anything real, to the real world, but actually is uh, floating and is controlled or I guess de determined by the market instead. So yeah, and a current yeah. So essentially, a currency by in DeFi, native to DeFi. Got it. And w what about someone who kind of you know maybe they're like a Bitcoin maxi? You know, okay, Bitcoin is is going to be that currency. Like like, why do we need something that's better than Bitcoin? Yeah. So you know, uh, you've been in this space for a while. You know, Bitcoin was always meant was the goal of Bitcoin is to become a reserve asset and a, a you know currency as well, you know. But as time went on, suddenly that kind of that idea shifted from a currency to more of a reserve asset. It was very interesting. You know, we really wanted Bitcoin to be a currency, but it can't really do that. It only it's only 21 million coins out there at max in circulation. And a limiting supply like that can't be a currency. A currency has to be inflating it has to match you know the demand of its token uh ethereum for example as well also wants to be occurring and occurring in a sense you know you use it for smart contracts and whatnot but it's a it's a inflating supply you know once pos ethereum 2.0 comes out it's a deflating supply so you don't want a currency that deflates over time because it's, it's going to inflate in value you know <laughs> you want a currency that stays stable and so that you can transact to it so Olympus tries to solve that, which following some mechanism with Bitcoin, but but instead of uh, using price growth to determine its uh, value, we use we defer it to supply growth instead. Hmm. So, like, I guess what I'm what I'm hearing is like, okay, so Bitcoin is not good because it's just deflationary, and then Ethereum is inflationary, and it's kind of like these are determined by like the internal systems of those two things. And what you really want to be like an economic reserve asset is something that can expand, basically like in line with the GDP or global growth or or something that's kind of like tracking with economic activity. Exactly. You know, you you don't no one trades uh no one like uses bitcoin or ethereum as a currency because they expect the value to go up you know we want something that stays in value so that you can actually transact with it and that's the really goal of olympus in the long term cool so um glue let's let's go to you can you give us the kind of origin story of olympus dow and zeus and how um how ohm which is uh, ohm that's the uh kind of crypto ticker symbol of Olympus DAO. How does that 
fit into the uh, Greek mythology canon? This is a this is a funny question because I I actually will not be the person that that's able to respond about the genesis of uh, Olympus Dow, but I, I wanted to say the DAO itself actually is fairly new to the the whole thing. Um, I joined the project um, only when uh, the, the DAO actually formed. So when they were looking for community members who wanted to be involved and get going, uh, that's when I actually came into the project. But we luckily have one of the folks from the start with Jeff X. And I think he can, he can give you a little color on how it began and, and how he met Zeus. Yeah, no, thank you there, Glue. Um, yeah, so I actually first talked to Zeus back in October, November. Um, and this was actually before I even knew it was Zeus. I was just on a call with some other people. And uh, when I first, uh, you know, like February, March, Zeus was like, oh, we're actually on a call a few months back, which, which was funny. But yeah, I actually did hear, I actually did hear about Olympus back um, in that October, November time. Mutual connection of myself and Zeus um, said, hey, there's this project, might be starting up development soon. We'll probably be working on it. And, you know, I was just, I remember hearing it back in October, November. Um, and that was about two, three months before development actually even started. Uh, contract-wise, back-end-wise, and, you know, just thinking about, how, man, how great of an idea this was. You know, basically, the pitch was, you know, something that's, you know, an asset that's backed by a dollar, not, but not pegged to a dollar, allows there to be, you know, room for growth and asset appreciation. I just thought it was a really cool and unique um, idea. And then, you know, flash forward a few months, um, January rolls around, and it's time to start, you know, work on Olympus and, you know, just reading the docs that Zeus had, the whole game plan that he had. It was really, really exciting um, to start. But yeah, just start back in January, mid-January, about two months later, you know, had the the initial sale and the rest is pretty much history. And on the note of uh, Greek mythology, I think uh, Jeff and I were trying to figure this out in our last podcast. We we think it's just cool, but I also think that there's something about uh, the epic narrative of of Greek mythology that fits really well into something that's going to last forever. Um, I, funny enough, found some of the the old votes for when they were trying to figure out what to call the token, if it was Ohm or Oli. And I think uh, that was the the early days of community voting. So the the name was selected by Emoji. Um, So it is not O-L-Y, it is O-H-M. Nice. All right. So let's let's cut to the chase here. So I guess, I don't know, one of my favorite uh, financial bloggers, Matt Levine, tweets out something about you guys, and uh, and especially in reference to the APY. So like, you know, I think someone who's just seen a tweet or heard like a side mention of of Olympus is going to hear, you know, the starting APY of the staking staking of your token was like something like 30,000 plus APY. And now it's now it's down to like 7,000 APY, which I guess it's like if you're if you're kind of like in DeFi degen territory, this is kind of like not unheard of. Like it's it's par for the course. But for someone who is who's not into crypto, this is going to kind of read as like, all right, this is a scam, or this is just like, you know, ruling it out as as something that's like completely crazy. So where do these APYs come from? Why is it? Why does it make sense? Why is that necessary? And um, and how does it work? I'll start. Um, with the, the super succinct version. Uh, I, and, I, and I'll actually just comment that I think even I, when I first joined the project, thought, 
Yeah, this, AP, this APY thing is crazy. There's no way, like any other time in DeFi you see this, it, it wouldn't make sense. Uh, so I spent some, quite some time before I decided to invest and I actually uh, legged into um, Ohm very slowly, admittedly. So it was, it was, it was a learning process. Um, I will plug that the, the APY has been changing over time. It started in the six figures, like 100,000 plus APY. And that's because we experienced uh, the... The staked ohm token SOM uh, rebases. So every approximately eight hours, Jeff, the the right block is the blocks are twenty two thousand blocks. One epoch, one it, it it rebases every epoch, right, Jeff? Yeah, twenty every twenty two hundred blocks, if I'm not mistaken. So that's approximately every eight hours. Um, your token balance that you have staked rebases, and when you when you run that math out and it's compounded, you get these astronomically sized percents as um, in in native ohm token. Um, so it's a product of having those rebases happen basically three times a day. Uh, but I'll let Brian actually respond to where where does this come from and why is it sustainable? Because one of the reasons I, I really enjoy ohm is the fact that um, these aren't just it's not an infinite money printer. It's not just. Uh, it's not just. Hey, you know, we're just handing out tokens for fun. There's a reason and there's a logic behind how and um, why we we mint ohm the token. And I'll let Brian answer here. Big brain. I try. Uh, yeah. So essentially, we uh, we generate revenue to this console called bonds. And essentially, how it works is that the Market participants, you know, they buy Ohm, you know, through the market, but they can also have the opportunity to buy it through Olympus for a markdown, right? And it's true with this markdown that Olympus can capture some of the volume on the market into its treasury. So instead of for the user, for the user, it's a very similar uh, mechanism, you know, you put in money and you get out Ohm, but for the protocol, you know, instead of getting, instead of the market getting the profit, the user it's um, the profit the protocol itself makes the money and because it's a uh, it, olympus is on the monetary creation layer of the economy i i say uh the cost to produce one ohm for us is very minimal it's only one usd of risk free value and right now ohm is trading at a much higher premium than that so because it has the ability to do this it can make significant profit from this you know arbitrage almost and this arbitrage you know, we use it for multiple things, but the main, the majority of our profits are given to the stakers through the awards. So, for example, if the protocol makes, let's say, $10,000 via bonds, it can mint $10,000, 10,000 ohm against that and distribute it to the stakers. So that's why this whole staking mechanism is very sustainable and it allows us to really expand our supply to really big levels. And that's what we really want in a currency, you know? We only have around three million um t- today, but a currency really needs around you know billions to really be transactable as a day to day currency. So that's what really why we have these really high APYs, and why we need this high APYs to really grow onto the next level. It's similar to how Bitcoin, uh, when it first started with the mining, you know the mining rewards around like I believe it was fifty or twenty five. You know at day zero it had zero Bitcoin. In one year, it had around two million. So you take that in perspective of uh, Olympus's uh, stance today. You know we're really similar in Bitcoin that regard. We really experience that hyper growth. Got it. So yeah. So let's go, go into it and kind of like track the life of a dollar or 
the life of some asset that goes into Ohm, right? So like you're on, I think a, a great site, if people are following along is uh, app.olympusdao.finance uh, forward slash dashboard. So this is kind of like giving you a bunch of uh, charts and where you can see some of these things that we're talking through. So I guess the place I would think it makes sense to start is like these bond discounts, right? So if you see Ohm Frax LP, LUSD, um, Frax, there's some ETH, there's some DAI. There, so these are assets that are going into the Olympus treasury to like back it, to back this currency, right? To be like the assets backing it. And in order to get Ohm, you can either just buy it on like Sushi or Uniswap or whatever, or you can buy it at a discount, right? With these bonds. So what is the mechanism? And each of these bonds get, get has like a different discount rate. So um, the Ohm Frax LP is 6.36 discount from, from uh, you know, you get Ohm at, at that much of a discount, right? If you're buying into it. Yeah, that's correct. So the, the way this works, uh, talking towards the bond discounts is this is the competitive part, the, the active investing section of uh, the Olympus Dow. So as you mentioned, it, it's you can you can trade and buy Ohm just as you would any other token. Uh, we suggest to do it on SushiSwap just based on where our liquidity is. Um, but here, if you wanted to buy in size, avoid getting sandwich attacked. Um, and acquire a defined discount, uh, this is the place to go. And these ROI um, discounts that are shown basically tell you how much below the, the market price um, you can acquire a set of uh, an amount of ohm defined by how much you hold of the, the asset that's um, listed under bond. So let's say you you have a lot of ohm frax LP, you can then get Ohm, the token itself, at a discount defined by that ROI there. And the the really cool part that happens here is this this is a competitive market. So so Brian is um Brian is, is our active gigabrain bonder that I bring to all my calls. Um, but but it's a competitive game so that the ROI actually gets better over time until someone takes it. Um, this is really obvious in one of our dashboards. I think it's the um, Olympus. A parenthetical ohm dashboard on dune by shadow um, and it shows the the discount at time of bonding over time and you can see you actually can see over time the market becomes more and more efficient at uh, acquiring the, the appropriate discount for um, our bonds and i'll let jeff or brian chime in here too because i might have missed something there yeah, so one cool thing about our system is that it's very self-contained. We don't use oracles to determine the price of the bonds themselves, right? Like Lou said, they're really determined by demand. So on a high level, uh, you know, the higher the demand of a bond, the higher the price, uh, the bond price is. So essentially, you can think of it as Olympus seeing that, oh, there's a sudden demand, there's a sudden tick up in people who want the bond. So we can sell our Olympus token for a higher premium, which means it gets more revenue for the protocol. Inversely, you know, if there's a downtrend in bond uh, sales, we can just say the bond, the protocol thinks, you know, to lower the price so that it becomes more, a little bit more attractive. Uh, going a little bit deeper, it's controlled by something called a BCV, a bond control variable. And essentially, this determines how fast or how slow the discount changes. And this is determined by our policy team that uh, me and Glue it on. And we take great consideration on how to determine them and how to change them because uh, they really affect how the 
market really how the protocol sells the bonds and they're very i wouldn't say uh, unintuitive but they're very they're very hard to work with if someone doesn't know what they're doing so is is what you're doing i was looking at some of your governance proposals you're kind of targeting an overall mix in your treasury of this of these different assets right and then set it based on that you're setting the, then the market is setting the discount rates for for the different bonds is that accurate yeah yeah so we don't really directly control the discounts themselves they're really determined by the market uh one way people really turn to discount is around the staking parameter so if you go to the staking tab of our Olympus site, you can see that the ROI of it over a five-day period, which is actually the vesting term of a bond. And we kind of we kind of glance uh, glance through this, but uh, the the bonds are vested over a five-day period. So, for users, for you know everyday users, if the staking if the staking rate, which is around six point one percent today, uh, is higher than the bond discount then for an everyday user, it's much easier just to buy the OM off the open market, you know, with SushiSwap and stake it because there's a better opportunity cost there from bonding. So yeah, so the bond, sort of the staking ROI is really a large factor in determining the discount rate here. Mm. So one, one question I had about this is like, you you know, in the beginning you were saying that the goal of Olympus is to kind of like move away from USD and, you know, there are these problems with Bitcoin and ETH, but like a lot of the assets that are going into it are USD, like stable coins, or there's some ETH, but like, what's the, what's, how does that work? Like, what's the logic of that? And how do you make these decisions about what to put in the, in the treasury and what you want it to, to target with these bonds? Yeah, it's a, a great question. So we we actually started with Dai, uh, which we recognize. I think as a team, um, isn't a perfect stablecoin, but it is is one of the most uh, long lasting and uh, I would say an anchor in the DeFi environment. Um, we started with Dai. We moved over to Frax, an algorithmic stablecoin as well, um, and and we looked at that as uh, an early step at. Um, Taking uh, moving away from from just taking in die and and getting away from centralization, and then from there we moved on to our first uh, our first volatile asset with ETH, and and then following that we introduced LUSD. And so the the thing here is it's it's a stage it's a staged rollout of more and more assets. Um, we recognize that the dollar is perfect, but we also do see that there's lots of stable coins available, some more centralized or less centralized than others. And we want to take them in because it's it's easy to assign that risk-free value. Um, over time, we'll, we'll add more and more assets throughout the DeFi ecosystem. It's one of the reasons we uh, really pushed to um, get out Olympus Pro. Um, Olympus Pro offers the bond mechanics that we have to other protocols to take in their own protocol-owned liquidity. And at the same time, it allows us to slowly diversify our treasury with more and more DeFi protocols, governance assets. Um, and beyond that, we're also looking at strategic DAO swaps. So we're talking to other protocols um, in the space and folks that we we want to strategically partner with to acquire a large sum of their governance tokens and allow them to acquire OM. 
Um, and we, we look at all these act- different activities as ways to make it such that uh, Ohm is not only backed by these different stable coins that are pegged to the US dollar, but also backed by the ecosystem that it exists in. Mm. So what, like, you guys have a, a super long term vision for this, what in the, the future when this is a reserve asset, like what is the ideal basket look like and it's so like Hal and I were kind of spitballing about this yesterday like it's kind of just like is it just like the kind of ideal basket of goods and services in the economy like it does it look like a microcosm of all assets in the global economy or what's the what's the ideal basket to go in I guess to like uh, make that more specific too is because you mentioned this earlier as you said that you know ohm was going to be you know sort of the dollar for DeFi is like are are you are you focused on just DeFi assets or is there there's a plan for an evolution in the future of you know uh, some more real world assets or something like that yeah, um, I think at the moment we are focused on on-chain assets. Um, unlike, like, say, MakerDAO that has al- already begun to venture out into real-world assets, um, we're not that far along in our journey. Uh, it's month six, so we are excited. There's been a few discussions. Um, I will say the one that kind of is a neat little tie-in to real-world assets is uh, a project that uh, both Zeus and Apollo are advisors for in in Klima. Um, Klima actually granted them, since their advisors granted them some P Klima, and that now sits in the Olympus Dow Treasury. Uh, we, we aren't directly affiliated, but as advisors, um, it, it is important to note that. And I think that project actually kind of represents this this tie in between um, carbon credits and the real world, and then being having on chain activity. But in terms of other uh, physical assets or real world assets, we're, we're not yet there. Um, but I won't say that uh, the team has dismissed that being an opportunity uh, for where we grow. Cool. So I think at this point, it makes sense to introduce this idea of owning the, your own liquidity up for, for Olympus, right? So like this, I think, is the thing that's gotten so many people in DeFi so excited, right? Because there's like, I don't know, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. So this, this kind of like solved a big problem in, in DeFi that a lot of protocols were launching when, you know, you create a token out of nothing, out of a, you know, one page of code, and you're trying to to make a market for it as this, this asset that you've created for your protocol. So what was the, what, what were the kind of models that they tried to, to create a market for these tokens and why, why were they having problems in terms of like getting the right liquidity for them? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, if you're active in crypto Twitter, which I'm not sure if your audience likes to, to indulge, but uh, the going meme right now is what DeFi 2.0, um, which I don't think is derogatory towards the the like early the foundational level of DeFi. I think it's more like as Scoopy has been trying to kind of move around on um, Scoopy Tribbles from Al- from Alchemix uh, has been saying it's more like DeFi Gen two. I think what happened in the early days of liquidity mining and um, and as you mentioned, just printing tokens um, is we kind of lost the plot. People thought, oh, well, I need liquidity. What's a good way to get liquidity? I'll give out free tokens. And then I think what really happened, and this is is what I think has been dawning on the broader community, is if we just keep printing infinite tokens, then, then how do you actually assign value? And, and how do you avoid the... the the sense of mercenary capital coming in, scooping up these free tokens, and then dumping on those who have smaller 
allocations um, on market. Uh, so protocol owned liquidity helps mitigate all these risks. The the idea there's no longer the idea that uh, some giant whale will come in and farm out the token and then dump it on retail. Uh, by owning the, own li- the liquidity, protocols are actually spending the same amount they would spend on, say, a liquidity mining program, but they're they're able to actually acquire something in return instead of fleeting capital. Um, I will say that it's still important, I think, for protocols in the in the early days to bootstrap their liquidity to get some level of liquidity thickness so that bond programs can be successful so that users can go out their their community can go out into the market and then actually get the governance token at, at a fairly stable price and then and then if that community member wants to pair it into uh, a liquidity token then they can do that and then get more governance tokens and uh, expand their holdings um, but yeah to to come back to it I think we we looked at what was going on in the space of DeFi and it, it's it's really just the the infinite token printing can't go on forever. And this was uh, a solution to that. Let, let me see if I can summarize this a little bit for someone who might not understand w- what we're sort of talking about here. But so like the way I would frame it is protocols launching, they have a token, they want it to you know retain value and they want it to get distributed out to users. And the way that this happens in DeFi is that there, is, there are these things called uh, automated market makers like Uniswap or SushiSwap, and they have these liquidity pools. So you take asset A and asset B and stick them into these pools. And if you are, then other users can come in and trade against them and d- deposit some of asset B and get asset A. And there's a formula that, that determines that, right? And what these protocols are doing was saying, okay, we need to get these pools. We need people to deposit their assets into these pools to, to create liquidity so people can trade against them. And so they set up this thing, liquidity mining, which was basically if you buy some of our assets and put them in the pool with your assets, we're going to give you as a reward more of our native token, right? This is like the pool, pool two thing, right? So like your users are coming in and providing liquidity. They're getting this reward and that sets up this game theory of like, okay, people are going to come in, do this, get the rewards and then just dump it and, and move on to the next thing that comes up. Right. So that's, that's a problem because protocols are not getting the stability they need to create a market for their token. And it's just kind of this like mercenary system. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. It's similar to like, you know, mod modern monetary theory, you know, basically because the protocol assume they can print so many tokens forever, but the reality is they have a mission schedule and they only can do it for certain years. And, you know, this whole renting liquidity versus owning liquidity dynamic is really solved by our bonding mechanism. You know, people who LP today, you know, who go on participating in this pool twos, you know, let's say you have a token, token X paired with ETH, you know, as an LP, you kind of want it to stay stable, you know, so you don't lose, so you don't get that impermanent loss and just get the rewards so you can dump it later. But as a user, you know, as someone who believes in a protocol, you want the token X to appreciate against ETH or USD or something. So these token holders and these LPers are really are rooting for different things, you know. One really wants to see the protocol succeed and one wants to see the protocol stay stable with Ethereum or, you know, whatever token they pair with. So it's a really weird or kind of like conflicting dynamic that these guys are doing, especially if the token holders want to become LPers, you know, 
on one hand, they want to support the protocol by providing liquidity, but on the other hand, they don't want to experience that permanent loss that comes with providing liquidity. So instead of pushing that need for liquidity onto the token holders, you push it onto the protocol itself. You know, the protocol can handle that permanent loss. They can deal with the repercussions of that and so and provide all value to the whole ecosystem by providing the gain the protocol to own its liquidity. So instead of having this system where they're rewarding, you know, random users for temporarily providing liquidity, the innovation here is that Olympus through these bonds that it takes in, like it, if you recall from earlier, some of the the assets that it's taking in in exchange for the bonds are the liquidity token itself, like the, the liquidity of the protocol itself. So it's owning. So what what is the number now? Like. 90 something percent of of liquidity is owned actually by um, Olympus or it's it's quite high. It's quite high. It's I think it's 99 point something. It's it's nearly 100% for Yeah, it basically own everything honestly. Yeah. Um and and that that's like I think we're unique in that sense. Um it, it's it's afforded like a lot of benefits, right? So we we do own I'm checking. Yeah, 99.9. .9, it's all of it. it. It's all of it minus like a little bit on on Uniswap, but um it's gotten us nearly seven million dollars in in um, liquidity providing fees, so it's been it's been a really beneficial thing for the protocol too from a from a revenue perspective. Um, instead of uh, that going to mercenary capital, all those LP fee, all all those LP fees are coming to us, and it's um, it's great. And, and also the protocol, we are the ones assuming the the impermanent loss risk in this case. Um, I don't know if a permanent loss might be a bit over the skis on on this one wanted to explain it should i explain yeah that? <laughs> and this is exactly why i wanted to have you guys on because i i was in some ama on the olympus dow discord you know for the first time i mean i've been following olympus for a while but i, I you know i wasn't sold i think uh when i first saw it it was like thirty thousand percent apy or whatever and i it, you know i was just um had things going on in my life i was like okay, i'm not going to spend the time to figure out what the hell that's that's all about uh, but, you know, I finally followed you guys for a couple of months and I, I, I liked, um, you know, honestly, I just like the price action on Ohm. And I was like, OK, this looks like uh, a good consolidation point. Let me go do some research. And, yeah, I heard this AMA and you're describing um, this sort of game theory around the bonding mechanics and the APY. And it just like clicked to me. I was just like, oh, OK, I get why that APY is um, going to be sustainable because basically what you're doing is you're just like out trading everyone in DeFi, right? By creating a, a large group of traders and then giving them buy and sell signals through this, um, okay. this bonding mechanism, basically, did I drop right? And, did, but instead of them um, just making themselves rich, they're making everybody involved in the protocol rich because you're making them rich and everybody rich because you need the liquidity you need everyone to come in and stake them and hold them but you also need those market participants that are going to be um you know doing doing this bonding game uh which is going to make them a bunch of money but Hello. then also through that you you end up locking all the liquidity in the protocol so like for me i'm just like holy shit like um, this is a pretty genius system. And, you know, one thing I did think is funny, uh, is the three, three, um, you know, uh, that, that goes around cause I get it. Um, but I actually think that where, um, is, is more interesting is that you can sell. Um, and the reason you can sell is exactly that system that I just described that, um, you have this game theory so that if I am selling my own and I'm doing it for a legitimate reason, 
um, because I'm going to go outside the protocol and I'm going to find some sort of yield or something. And then my plan is to come back into Ohm as my stable coin. Um, that's fine, but I better be better than that system that you guys have built, right? Like I have to compete with that. So like me personally, uh, as a trader, like I'm, I'm just put money into Ohm and staked it, right? Because now I'm like, now I have to beat that as a trader, right? Like that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of blown away by it. That, that's why I'm glad you guys are here. You guys have done a excellent job, I think, of, of explaining uh, what you've built so far. Yeah, and I yeah. think a good analogy that Zeus, I heard Zeus say it on a podcast uh, the other day, but it was kind of reverse musical chairs almost, how, um, you know, musical chairs usually, you know, you go around and you pull a chair out and then, you know, there's really, a, you know, a huge, um, you know, desire, you, you know, to get one of these chairs. But with Ohm, it's kind of like Olympus, it's kind of adding chairs every now and then. So it makes it where, you know, you're playing this game and no matter how many people join, you know, okay, there's going to be more chairs that get added. Um, he actually said he didn't know if that's a good analogy, but I think that's a, a pretty good analogy where, you know, the liquidity keeps on getting added. You know, we see the revenues and how it goes and it's, you know, day after day, week after week, the protocol is, is buying back more of its own liquidity, which is amazing. I think we're, fifth largest uh, liquidity pool on uh, on SushiSwap right now. We are the most traded liquidity pool on SushiSwap. Yeah, I think we did a call. I think uh, we were like 10% of daily volume from SushiSwap every day, which is kind of insane, you know, in only six months. Yeah. How 69K. To your point, um, I think you're making a really, really good point there. Uh, in, the, in the middle of the summer, so... I, I feel like it's been 10 years, but it's been only several months. Um, we we had a really interesting moment where people thought it it was uh, it was a counter a counter cyclical asset to, to Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, at this point, I, I can't even say that I, I see much of a correlation. Uh, but 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 yeah, I think there was some time when there were a fewer number of holders that they had a really similar mindset where uh, they had to be the percents that they were receiving on um, staking ohm in whatever active trade they were trying to make. And and that's frankly quite hard to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll give some uh, <laughs> some alpha here. I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll post this the next time we see this. But one of the foot guns readers sent me a DM uh, when Bitcoin hit 52,000. Like I wrote I wrote an article saying that I thought Bitcoin was going to sort of stall out around 52,000 because I didn't see um, new buyers coming into the market. And then somebody sent me these two Ethereum addresses that um, sold like a ton of Bitcoin or Bitcoin equivalent um, holdings and they put it all in Ohm. And that was like, it was like perfectly like when the Ohm rally started. So uh, that was, that was interesting. That, that, that certainly heightened my interest in finding out what, what the hell you guys are doing. (laughs) Cool. So let's, so to recap, Bonds bring in assets to Ohm, and then they sit in this treasury. A good portion of that are liquidity LP tokens for Ohm itself, which as more of those build up, that just increases the price stability of Ohm. It makes it harder for an individual seller to move the price um, one way or the other. So it just increases this stability, um, which is which is which goes to what, what Hal said about like making it... Um, you know, allowing some people to sell when they want to, right, without crashing, without crashing the price, which is what was plaguing other DeFi projects. And then 
people can buy them on the open market and stake it and get these APYs that are quite high. And um, that's issuing new shares that are backed by the assets in the treasury. And over time, I guess the 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 um, APY has has kind of like steadily gone down. So like, what is what is causing that curve? Like, what are the market forces that are causing it to steadily go down? And what's like the end game as we get further and further out in time from where we are now? So right now we control the reward rate. We control the APY via a variable called the reward rate. Essentially, we kind of we can distribute a lot of rewards at one time. But I like to think of it with a concept with inertia, right? Uh, we want to grow treasury to something huge and we want to grow supply to something huge. What we want to do is slowly over time. So that's why we have a variable called the reward rate, which sets how much we can distribute at one time. So, you know, initially we had around 100K APY and then our first reduction went down to 40K and then our reduction now we're at a 7K. And uh, we do this because as, you know, grow, as OM grows bigger, as OM grows more, just confidence in Olympus grows stronger as long as we add more integrations. You know, our dependence on stakers keeping their balance staked it becomes less over time. You know, like when Olympus first started, we had no integrations. Uh, the protocol wasn't really known yet. No one really understood the protocol on liquidity theory. No one really understood bonding. No one really understood how OM really works. You know, it's really hard to keep people staked. The staking rewards was a really stick our method of keeping people sticked to home. But now we have a lot more integrations. You know, we have Olympus Pro. Many protocols are looking to us to help own their own liquidity. We're on Rari. We supply around $600 million in, in uh, funds for them to like, you know, our own land. We have planning platforms now. Uh, Abracadabra uses our wrapped as home for minting as well. So there's a lot more integrations nowadays. And because of this, people will stake people will stay staked with a lower APY, you know? So, and because we have less staked, we can now grow our treasury to be even bigger to back more own better, each with a larger share. So it's a really, it's a really balance between confidence in the market and the rewards we needed to justify people to stay staked. You know, like if we were at 7K back when it first started, the percentage stake today would be much less, or the percentage staked at that time would be much less than it was than it would be, you know, with hundred K. But now, uh, we can we can see that even though we reduced the APY significantly from forty to the seven K we have today, our percent stake is still relatively high. We're, we're very high actually. We're basically at the all time high. We're around ninety three percent staked. So that really shows the confidence we have in the protocol, and that's how we kind of determine the APY there. And is the idea that as time goes on and the APY comes down and the assets in the treasury go up, like you're getting closer and closer to just a one-to-one dollar of assets backing each ohm? Is that like you're just kind of like asymptotically approaching that? Uh, yeah, the reward rate is going to eventually, you know, trend to zero it won't be zero it won't be zero i expect but you know it'll probably be you know single double digit apy in the end state but and as we approach there you know we'll have much more values in our treasury and eventually we'll reach a floating state backed by the amount in our treasury right now even though we mint every own with one usd we kind of have more 
backing that home right now. So I think you go to the website and uh, see one of our charts. We're actually backed. I think every home is actually backed by $40 of risk-free value. Uh, if anyone wanna if anyone wants to confirm that for me. But yeah, so even though we only are every even though the protocol only mints own for every one dollar, we can have more in our treasury backing that own than what's needed to just mint it. And that really just shows how successful the bonding program has been for us, that we generate so much revenue to back more than it was needed for own. Is there is there a mechanism to make ohm convertible for the assets in the treasury or is there ever like as as it gets closer as one ohm gets closer to the treasury assets over time is there a, 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 like a plan or idea to make it convertible in any way uh at the moment yeah i, was, I, got, I got this one Brian. Yeah. at the well, moment there's no redemption function to uh redeem for the underlying assets mostly because uh it wouldn't it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense uh that I'm, I'm i'm gonna pull up one of my dashboards but i, I think say, the, the market value if someone underlying hate, ohm is around like 100 oh, go ahead i was gonna say if someone hates money and just wanted to do like an art project <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's, sure. it's it's sort of like a, an unbanksy um or a Banksy uh, yeah, yeah. thing there, because you you would you would be unwrapping to the market value of an ohm right now is like 106, and the market is paying a premium from that, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to unwrap to the underlying. But you know, it could be fun for someone. Cool. So I, I guess this next section, you know, the podcast is called Foot Guns. We're looking for risks and trying to to figure out, you know handicap uh, things that could go wrong. So I'll just throw this out to all of you. Like, what do you think the risks are at this particular stage of development now? Like, what are the things that you're kind of looking around for or trying to avoid or tr trying to uh, consider when you're setting the the monetary policy for, for Ohm? I'm passing to Brian on this one. I, I don't spend enough time yeah. in policy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I mean, you know, this risk with every protocol, you know, smart contract risk, people, I mean, there's a hack, yada, yada, yada. But I think the real risk we see is that, uh, you know, everything, all markets are very cyclical. You know, what comes up must come down. You know, it's, it's very cyclical in nature. And just like that, and OM is also very cyclical in nature. You know, we have a lot of positive flywheel effects. People call it a Ponzi, but what I really think what they mean by Ponzi is that we just have a lot of flywheel effects that really help power OM. Uh, for example, you know, as the price gets higher, we get more revenue, and as we get more revenue, we can back more ohm. And as the backing of ohm gets higher, you know, that really increases the price. You know, it's a really powerful flywheel effect we're seeing here. But the opposite is also very true. You know, if the price of ohm goes down, we get less revenue generated, and then we slowly the backing of ohm starts decreasing. And I think the biggest risk is that people will see this and will stop believing in it. You know, you can have the best currency in the world. This like could be perfect, no flaws, er, uh, like no, like it could be the like perfect, yeah, perfect currency in the world and uh, no mistakes, there's no mistakes in it. But if there's no community using that token, you know, there's no really any value to it. So the real risk I see is that people will see the downtrend of them and people will start Stop believing in it and stop using it, and that was still, and that was lead to our, uh, I wouldn't say demise because Olympus is designed that every every cycle it will rise like a phoenix and still 
uh, still work. But I'll say that it'll be interesting to see if that happens and whether we can still build up from that moment there. Because Olympus works at that. Uh, if it ever goes below a dollar, below seniorage price, you know, uh, Olympus will buy back all the ohm in circulation and put it back in the treasury with the values it has, with the assets that it has in the treasury. So, you know, uh, in a way, you'll make an arbitrage and then you'll make a profit from that too. So at the end, at the end let's say it buys back all the ohm in the treasury. I mean, sorry, all the ohm in circulation is going to, uh, it's going to cause the end state to have Olympus with a massive treasury to bootstrap itself back up to where it is again. But yeah, if people don't believe in the currency, then that's our biggest uh, breach of risk, I feel like. But our, our community is very strong. You know, Omis are a very sticky bunch. We kind of seen Zeus. We kind of been here uh, with Zeus for, uh, and we'll be here with Zeus forever. I feel like, you know, I'm not really, I don't know about other people, but I'm just here. Uh, not for the monetary creation or monetary wealth, it's more just a division as Zeus is trying to deal, do it, you know? Yeah, I, I have to say, I think that that risk is not unique to Ohm. Uh, you know, to use your musical chairs analogy, you know, you're saying that there's a new chair added and people are trying to occupy that chair. And, I, you know, what's important, right, is that uh, there's also some new people entering the game, right? I think every uh, asset has that risk that if all of the people that are buying the asset decide that they don't want to buy it anymore. Right. Um, then it's going to go through some, like some pain points, but you, it does sound like you have a, a plan for, uh, you know, some drawdown, just like you said, with, um, these buybacks. Um, I mean, that sounds very similar to, to, to a lot of the way things are managed in the non, uh, DeFi world where there is excess liquidity, you know, where they can basically just print their own, uh, money. <laughs> So I, I was listening to another podcast with Zeus and he had a comment that I thought was interesting. He said that there was kind of like this um, risky period around like between 500 and 800 million of market cap and Ohm has since like gone, gone beyond that. But what, what was he referring to there? And uh, apologies if, if you don't aren't aware of that like specific comment, but like, he, you know, it seemed like there were different risks that he was looking at in different phases of, of the development. So how do you think about that as Ohm uh, grows and has grown? Um, I, I think what he meant by that was we saw these other rebasing tokens like ESD and Ample. Um, that was where like they peaked at, that five to 800 million range. And you know I think we thought, okay, this is really the make or break where, okay, our predecessors have got to this. You know, like, but let's see if we can go beyond this and solidify um, what we do, solidify what Olympus does as game changing and building on top of, of those that came before. Got it. So here, here's one one thing that I thought of. So you met, you brought up um, ESD and DSD. So I was a uh, alumni of that uh, of that period in DeFi last day. Uh, last uh, however however many uh eons ago but you know w w one of the things we saw there was that you know empty set dollar uh was this like very thoughtful project they had a lot of really smart people in it and they had put a lot of thought into this mechanism and was doing quite well and then suddenly there was a fork of it and then another fork of it and um 
And with, with these things, like it paid to be the first dollar into these projects, right? So like, and, and now we're starting to see a world where there are ohm forks. So, you know, some uh, time and, and some others. So like when, when you are, have an ohm fork that's just starting up and the APY is much higher than one that's been around for, for like several months, how do you, how do you think about that? Like how, how can these all um, coexist in a world where there might be, you know, this kind of like spiral of forks coming? How does, uh, how does ohm differentiate or cooperate or, or what does the game theory look like when there start to be other protocols with the same dynamic? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. I think it's one that, that probably sits in the minds of others. Like, like anything in uh, the crypto space, it's all it's all open, and, and people are free to make copies. Um, so we, we don't we don't affiliate or support any forks. Uh, we we have a fairly strong cross chain cross chain strategy that will be coming out soon. Um, but wh where we see our value really is in uh, the the power of our experience with the mechanisms we've built. And the partnerships were, were growing. So we we are a positive sum team. Um, there's lots of different protocols that are out there building different Legos out in the DeFi ecosystem, and we want to support them. We want to find ways to work together. Um, in terms of forks, though, we we have no intent to, to work with any that exist and um, are not. We're not we're not in support of them or affiliated in any way. Uh, we, we don't believe that anyone is building as strong integrations and uh, deep ties into the DeFi ecosystem, though, as we are. Yeah, I mean, I think I want to follow up on that because I think that's really like the key thing that doomed some of the algorithmic stable coins is that there was no. Um, the reason that someone bought them was to get the APY. It wasn't really to use them as a reserve asset or reserve, use them as a currency or really like there wasn't a lot you could do with them besides like participate in the game of using them. So um, I think the ones that have succeeded, like, you know, Terra or other algo, algo stables are the ones that like really front loaded use in other parts of DeFi and the economy so that there was this like extrinsic demand for them beyond just like the the game of of getting the seniorage or getting that the, the apys or stuff so like can you talk a little bit about the partnerships and and the the effort to like get ohm embedded in other protocols and get bootstrap more utility for it yeah happy to so i mentioned it earlier but we, we just launched olympus pro um about three weeks ago and that, that's our first foray in forming these strategic partnerships with, with different protocols. Um, and Olympus Pro, as I mentioned, is, is a way for other protocols to benefit from protocol-owned liquidity. And in addition to that, we present a bond marketplace. Um, we have seven partners at the moment, Abracadabra, Alchemix, Float, Rax, Pendle, Stakedown, and Shapeshift. Um, it's been really fun to work with all these teams. I feel like every day I'm uh, I'm lucky enough to talk to all the, all the founders and the people building the really cool stuff. Um, and and with that, I think it's just it's the early days of them getting to understand the the power of protocol and liquidity and see the benefits of of uh, the gamification with these bond programs. But we're also working towards more and more um, integrations throughout DeFi. So you'll see Ohm in uh, new ways. I think. In the early days, it truly was, as you said, just a game where you participate in the game theory and you 3-3. Three, three. 
But I think in the future, you will see more and more utility, as Brian mentioned earlier in the talk about um, seeing ohm being spent, ohm as a currency. Uh, and I think it's, it's going to be an exciting time in the coming few quarters. Cool. There's there's a, a proposal that Hal alerted me to to add Ohm as a collateral in MakerDAO. So that means it would be something that would be backing DAI, which is like one of the biggest uh, stable coins in DeFi. And there's been debate, you know, the Ponzi critique has been thrown around. And, and I guess, I don't know if you guys are participating in that debate or the forums or, or anything, but what's, um, what's your take on like getting Ohm into Maker or inserting it as collateral in other of these DeFi primitives? Yeah. Um, so the, the, the foundational DeFi protocols, uh, we're really excited about working with them. I think one of the first phone calls we ever had for, as a partnership team was with uh, Stanny and Mark over at Aave. Um, and, and that was kind of the impetus for us doing our somewhat large allocation of our excess reserves into Aave. But this, this MakerDAO proposal is a few weeks in the making. Uh, we've been talking to their team um, for a while, and uh, we really feel that the the way that Olympus House functioned thus far has been really strong. Um, and with our with the with the contracts, I think Jeff helped create. We have wrapped Esome, and that that makes for a pretty good collateral to use in a system. And we we've seen strong demand um, in the borrow lend market uh, for Ohm. Um, one of our initial and I think maybe even first partnership or integration was with the Rari Fuse pool. Um, so we, we own pool 18, it's the Olympus pool party, and, and we've put a number of our partners on the stablecoin front in there. Uh, there's a lot of high demand. Um, I think I think if, if you have any stables, please participate in Rari Fuse. You, you can get some some APY out of um, your stablecoins, both Tetranodes pool and our pool. Um, but yeah, we, we, we're excited to be part of the MakerDAO um, community and get uh, wrapped SO listed. Um, there's a lot of questions on the form. I actually haven't checked in. I've been caught up in a few other partnership meetings. So if um, Brian or Jeff have actually, or if you have the latest state on what's going on there, I, I'm, I'm generally just excited to be able to use DAI, or uh, to use wrapped SOM to, to mint DAI in one of the um, most classic DeFi platforms. Yeah, I think the talks were good um, <clears throat> regarding that. Um, there's a few things, you know, I think uh, might be on the back burner till, till we get a few things done, uh, the token migration. But um, after that, you know, I, I think we're, we're pretty good. I think, you know, besides that, most of the feedback was was pretty positive. How, how big is your guys' team that's like uh, doing active development? Well, that's a great question. Um, in, in terms of engineering or in terms of uh, like totality in the DAO? Yeah, I mean, I, I used to be, you know, a person that <laughs> wrote a lot of code on different teams. I mean, I, basically, I mean, like if I if I worked for you and I was writing code, like how many people would I be interacting with? I am pulling up our Discord numbers right now because they have a bit of an engineering process. I think Jeff talks to them quite a bit. Uh, it looks like our engineering team is fairly sizable. I, I want to say 10, 15 people with two, uh, the two engineering strategos above them. Jeff, can you correct me if I'm wrong there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of, you know, engineering overall, I'd say, yeah, that's probably a good number, uh, probably close to 15, I'm thinking at least, um, you know, that includes front end, back end, um, in terms of back end, you know, solidity, all that stuff, smart contract. 
um, that number is a little smaller in the front end. I think that's closer to a between five to eight. And are you are you uh, are you all comfortable with the way that your team is right now? Are you are you looking to grow it like in that level? Like are you all that you know? You've been talking about a bunch of ambitious um, plans of going forward. Is it, you know is that team um, ready to execute on that? Or are you, are you also needing to grow at the same time? Um, we're ready to yeah. execute, and I was going to say yeah. We we've been making good progress. Up it would always be nice, you know. The more the merrier. It'd always be nice to have more people to look over code, more uh, be able to delegate more work out, and just you know divide and conquer. But with the um the current amount now, I think it's it's a good number. But you know, as always, you know, the, the more people that would want to contribute to Olympus and help us build out this uh, amazing protocol, um, the better. Yeah, and so if someone yeah, listening say, wanted to contribute, or like they are, fr- you know, they have a family member or a friend that want that they could make contribute, uh, where would you send them to to the Discord? Is that the best place? Yeah, we actually, I was going to say, we we are always recruiting, and I think the Strategos have been doing a good job here of uh, building out a sustainable onboarding process. Um, you can join the, our DAO server, which is designed to. Um, actually do work and help onboard people. Uh, our, our server address, is, you can get to it at uh, discord.gg slash Olympus work. That's uh, discord.gg slash Olympus work, all one word at the end. I was meaning to ask this earlier, but wanted to, to circle back to it now. So Olympus DAO is a DAO, what does the governance look like? Does holding Ohm entitle you in in like the kind of governance token style to vote on initiatives or how, how are the big decisions made at Olympus? Yeah, uh, so it is, we are focused on community governance heavily. Um, there's a lot of active participation on our forum and then all votes happen on Snapshot. So if, if you have staked Ohm, um, SOM or OM, you can participate. Uh, but uh, if you're participating in something like a leverage pool or, uh, sorry, an Amparo Lend market, um, that, that some of those assets are not qualified to uh, vote. So SOM and OM are our voting tokens. Got it. So let's let's fast forward. You know, years into the future, where the you know market price of Ohm is much closer to the assets that are backing it. It's, you know, widely used. What what does that future look like? Is, is Ohm kind of this like reserve asset that institutions are sitting on or it's, it's sitting in the treasury of DeFi protocols and not being traded a lot? Or is it kind of like a currency, like a dollar that there's a lot of velocity and, and power in commerce and and transactions online? Or what's the what's the future in like the ideal world for Ohm? Yeah, I think uh, as we look at this, it, it was it was sought to solve a multitude of problems, and I, I will say, I hope we see more transactions in Ohm and and actually start measuring the velocity of Ohm. That uh, is a discussion that we had very lightly in policy, uh, actually in the last week. So um, I, I see it as something that people can hold, institutions can invest in, um, but it, it will be used, I think, in the farther future as as a currency that you can transact with. And um, if you have seen a little bit on on crypto Twitter or, or 
maybe common discords you're in, anyone, their name.ohm. It's something that uh, Mr. Umbanksy has been um, noodling about for, I think, the last several weeks. Um, yeah, so more to come. But we, we are excited. This isn't just, uh, I think, as, as much as we enjoy the 3-3 meme, um, staking is one aspect that we really promote and really want to happen. But there, there is more to come with, uh, with Ohm. With a dot ohm, do you mean like it's going to be like a dot eth where you can send transactions to someone's dot ohm and it goes to them? That is, I think, the early vision of what we're hoping to do. Oh, so very cool. Uh, the dot ohm is a is is one of our early nascent ideas. And what about with um, fiat currencies? Like, do you see this as something that is limited to crypto? institutions or is this something that's going to be out there in international commerce and people are, are trading with it as an alternative to, to fiat personally the way i see it is that you know if we are a better store of value you know than gold or other assets traditional finance uses as like their asset i don't see why they couldn't you know and there's nothing barring them from using us as uh their you know, the value in their books, you know? All they have to do is just set up a MetaMask and do a simple sushi swap trade. So yeah, I, it's not all the books, but another thing, I you were talking about your, my, your, I guess our vision for Ohm. You know, I expect Ohm to be the de facto trading pair in all AMMs or I guess in DeFi in general, you know, similarly to what ETH and DAI does today. You know, but just with you know a with Ohm instead, why why do it with ETH, which is a appreciating asset, or with Dai, which is a depreciating asset? We can do with Ohm. You know, an asset that stays stable and that yields you know a single digit or a double digit percentage every year. Well, I think that's the the end of the questions I've had. How do you have anything that uh, that I missed or you wanted to to add here? Yeah, uh, <laughs> we got you guys have done a great job talking about Ohm. Um, Bitcoin is approaching the all-time high from earlier this year. Um, what do you guys think? Um, are is Bitcoin going to break the all-time high, and is DeFi also going to benefit from that? I, I am one of the world's worst traders of all time, so uh, <laughs> I think I think the I think from the macroeconomic overview yeah of course um as bitcoin moves up it moves the narrative up i think people enjoy watching bitcoins uh rise and and it is when people say cryptocurrency in in the in the normal world they say that but um i'm hoping really what happens in this uh next leg of, of, the, of the bull market the, the super cycle october whatever you want to call it um i think is is another strong look at DeFi and and these emerging protocols i, I do ascribe to the the DeFi gen 2 or DeFi 2.0 meme I'll give Brian some time here. Yeah, personally, I, you know, I'm, I think, I guess, over allocated with Ohm in my portfolio. So at this point, I don't really check price anymore. You know, uh, the great thing about Olympus is that, you know, like here, let's say you own Bitcoin and you hold it from 1K to 50K and then it goes back down to 10K, right? You know, as a user, if you hold Bitcoin and throughout the whole cycles, you won't gain any value through that cycle, even though you held through that time. Olympus is different in that throughout every cycle, even though the price, let's say it goes from a hundred to a thousand and like 
Pico tops back down to a hundred, uh, even though it's the same price, you know, you gain a value through supply appreciation. So personally, for me, I don't really check price anymore. I just know that I'm very confident in Olympus and I'm really confident that Olympus and the Ohm token will succeed. So I'm just stacking Ohm, you know? <laughs> awesome. Well, Brian, Jeff X, Glue, thank you guys uh, so much for for taking the time to uh, to break it down. And like the last thing I want to say is just like congrats on on the community you got, you guys have built. Like I've go gone in there and been you know listening to podcasts in the Discord, and it's definitely one of the most sort of generous and welcoming DeFi communities. You have the three three meme that's like one of the you know top three or five uh, DeFi memes of all time. So. Congrats on that. And I think, you know, with, with the level of ambition that Olympus is like, you really do need that community to go out and teach people and, and, you know, spread, spread the word because that's how these reserve currencies are made, right? Like you're trying to make a reserve currency, but, but you don't have an army. You have to have a, an army that is your community that's going out and, um, and, uh, convincing everyone. And, you know, I think this podcast and all the other stuff I've seen shows that like, really top-notch uh, group of people and um, just, uh, you know, good luck. I, I didn't, uh, I guess we were supposed to do disclosures. I don't, I don't own, own any ohm right now, but uh, that might change pretty soon because uh, I'm kind of regretting my, uh, my decision not to, not to jump in, but um, thank you. Thank you guys. And uh, what's, what's the best place um, if someone wants to learn more, what's, is, it, you have, is there like a port of entry that's, that's for, for newbies or people who, uh, want to kind of get the the 101 I, I personally would say you just jump right into the bonding market you just jump right into bonds no but um no yeah the, the, i think the site is a great first place um there's some docs which is awesome i mean off top it's a great place to go but uh you're, you're not a true omi unless you you know jump in the bonds and uh jump in the jump in the stake yeah, yeah, and, and so I think if for you for your listeners, uh, check us out olympusdao.finance, um, O L Y M P U S D A O dot finance. Um, olympusdao.finance is is a great place. We just revamped the the landing page, and I think it's super educational. So um, start there and uh, and learn more. And of course, if you hop in our Discord, we have um, some amazing Sherpas to help you through your journey. And yeah. Excited to, to see people, and as Jeff said, happy bonding if you join us. Brian, Jeff, Blue, thanks so much, and uh, talk to you some other time.